Bochinche, just three word prayers, four word prayers. God bless you. All right, all right. Amen. All right, you can get to the other side when we're done. Get comfortable, settle in, buckle up, and hold on. All right, all right. Amen. I've been reading this week and thinking a lot about, about the Holy Spirit and, and God's power. I've been thinking about the power of God, and that's kind of been my theme this whole week as everything I've read, everything that, that, that I get emailed, everything's been about the power of God. And, and I was thinking about how sometimes up in, up in Mount Vernon, where I live, sometimes we lose power. Anybody lose power sometimes? And when it first happened, I remember when it first happened in, in, in our house in, 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 in Mount Vernon, we got the power lines that are outside there in front of the house, right? And so there's transformers on each of those poles and, and there's, you know, huge voltage that's going through those lines. And so what, what happens at our house, when, when the power goes out, there's these big fuses. I've seen them. They're about this big. There are these huge fuses in those transformers and they explode. And so it's a huge, it's, it's loud. It's like tank fire shooting at the house. It's like boom, where you feel it, you know, in your kidneys. And, and sometimes, I remember, in the, you know, sometimes it, you hear two or three or four of them because I guess the power goes and it blows, it boom, boom, boom. And the first time we heard it, I remember it was, you know, I did because I grew up in the hood. So I hit the floor, I rolled under the sofa. And my wife was sitting there. She went, where'd you go? I said, I dropped something. I was just looking, looking for something. I'm joking, but, you know, it, it's, it, it was loud. It, it, was, it, was, it was impressive. You know, it was, and I finally found out, you know, eventually, you know, when you, you go outside and after, you, you know, you get, you, you get over the fear. I went outside and, and, and I learned about, you know, I talked to the guys working and I learned about these transformers a little bit and, I, I verified this with my Con Ed guy the other day, so I'm, I'm not talking de parate. So a, a, a transformer is an electrical device that takes a high level of electricity that's delivered along these power lines, and it converts it to a lower, to a level of power that we can use in the house. Because there's so much power running along those power lines that if, if that power was sent right to my house, it would fry the wires and blow my house up. So there's a step, it's called a step-down transformer. It, it steps down the power before it sends it to my house so that we can have a power that's usable, a, power that, a level of power that we can use. How many of you know I'm preaching already? Mm. Is your quote, the power of God is available to the church of God to fulfill the calling of God. Nobody got excited. That's, 
That's sad. I said the power of God is available to the church of God to fulfill the calling of God. A little better. See, when the church loses focus on the power of God, then it's just a social club. I don't have time for social clubs. Right? So I started thinking about these transformers because as I was reading about the Holy Spirit of God, I thought about how these transformers allow us to take the full power that's available and and make it usable on our level. Oh, man, that's good preaching. I want to talk to you today about transformation. I want to talk to you about the transforming power of God. And I don't want you to miss nothing, so don't be distracted. Don't tweet, don't Twitter, don't talk to nobody. Just give me a couple of moments, amen? Give me three hours just just of your undivided attention. Just press in. We'll make it quick, amen? I told you last week, real church is messy. I want to encourage you this week and tell you real church is transformational. Listen, if the power of God isn't changing you and transforming you, then either you're not connected or you've been sold a counterfeit. Amen. I second that. If the power of God isn't changing you or transforming you, either you're not connected or you're in a cult. You're just part of some group of crazy fanatic people. But you're not connected to the power. Because when you're connected to the power, there's transformation that happens. You can't be connected and not be transformed. Come on, if you've lost the power to change, then that means you've lost the power to shine. That means you probably got unplugged somewhere. See, the word transform means a thorough or dramatic change in form or appearance. That means when the power of God transforms us, we change. The problem with that is that we don't like change. Right? I know what that's like, boy. You change your color of a wall in here and people flipping out. You do a song that's a little different, people flipping out. Oh, are we going to that kind of music? How come we don't do this? How come we don't do this? How come we do that? How come we do this? How come we do that? Why is it gray? Why is it not brown? Oh, no, I think we should. People don't like change. One day I'm going to preach from the sound booth, make everybody turn around. Just, just, to, just, to, just to bother those that, that are resistant to change. See, the word says we should be transformed by the power of God. Romans 12, 2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Somebody say amen. So, all right, let's go to the book of Acts again because that's where the early church got started. And I want to get started there with you again today. Amen? Now, by Acts 1, let me just catch you up. Those of you that are new, maybe you don't know this story. Maybe you're not a Bible person. Maybe the Bible, this is the first time you're hearing this. I love that we heard when we had our our, uh, meet and greet. Man, there's some people in here say, yo, I never did church thing in my life. This is the first time. But I'm digging it, though. I'm feeling it. That's awesome. Amen? Amen? 
Because normally we just have, you know, a, a church exchange program. We just, you know, well, I got the other pastor offended me, so I'm here now. Go ahead now, you. See what you're going to do. See, if you don't say hi to me three times in a row, I'm leaving this church too. <laughs> Let the usher tell me to move my coat again, see what's going to happen. Those are church people. We don't, we don't need that. So let's go. So by Acts chapter 1, just, you know, we got to catch everybody up. By Acts chapter 1, let me let, let you know what's going on. Jesus has already bounced. He's already stepped out of the tomb. He's already been, and he's gone. You know, they, they tortured him. They crucified him. They killed him. They put him in a tomb. Three days later, he's gone. There's an Easter message. He's gone. So by Acts chapter 1, he's gone. They, they check the tomb. They say, yo, yo, Jesus is not here. He's out. And then for the next 40 days, he appeared to these people. He would appear. He appeared to the skeptics. People were like, oh, yeah, I know you said you saw him, but unless I see him, I ain't believing nothing. Unless I put my finger where the nails were, unless I put my hand where the side was, I ain't believing nothing. That Thomas must have been from the Bronx, right? And, and so, but Jesus appeared to these people for 40 days. He showed himself alive. He, he ate with them so they see that he's really there. He's not a ghost. He did. I mean, he convinced these people. So understand, these people now are convinced. There's about 120 of them, the word says. And these people are convinced and committed. You couldn't tell these people nothing. Before this happened, they used to scatter. Every time somebody persecuted, they scattered, they ran. But these people, they've been convinced now. And so, so they, after, after seeing the power of God over death, there's nothing to be afraid of anymore. See, once you experience the power of God, it changes you. See, once you're not scared of dying anymore, you're not scared of anything. That's why some of us, you know, we, we cry and we hurt for the persecuted church and for those people that are being killed because they're standing for their faith. But, but in a way, in, in a way, we, and we do have to have that heart, in a way, I'm thinking, I'm thinking how glorious, how glorious that we can stand like they stood and, 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 and worship as we're being executed. So the first thing we see when our eyes are open again is the presence of God. And God said, oh, you're, you're part of that ISIS shipment? Praise God. Well done, thou good and faithful servants. You stood for me, I stand for you. Wow. Once you experience the power of God, you're not scared of any. So, so all right, so now Jesus is taken up into heaven, and before he leaves them, he tells them, listen, stay here in Jerusalem because daddy's got a gift for you. I'm leaving, but God is not going to leave you alone. The Father is going to send something to you, a helper. He's going to send a gift for you. This is a good gift. You're going to need this gift. So stay here in Jerusalem until, until you receive the gift. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, and you will receive power. Say power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and before Isis and to the ends of the world. The word power here is the Greek word dunamis. Dunamis. It's where we get our word dynamite from. I wanted to explode something here as an illustration, but you know, I didn't want to be on YouTube. When pastors take illustrations too far, you know. 
But it's a powerful word, dunamis. It, 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 it's used over a hundred times in the Bible. Let me give you some examples of how it's used because I want you to get the full picture of this word that, that God says you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Look, look at one place where it's used, Luke chapter 1, 35. <coughs> the angel's talking to Mary. And the angel says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power, the dunamis of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the Holy One will be born and called the Son of God. What? What? The dunamis power of God is able to put new life in you. So the power of God, the dunamis of God, is able to birth new things inside you and me. And he's able to do it outside of the conventional form. We understand science, right? There's an egg and a sperm. We know how that works, right? The, yeah, any pictures? <laughs> Y'all seen enough with that Fifty Shades of Grey nonsense. Don't play yourself. You know how it works. But God is saying the, dun the dunamis power of God comes upon you. Then the baby will be the son of God. So, so uh, you're getting a picture of that word, right? It, it's able to birth. Ephesians 3.10, Paul uses it. It says, the power of God is able to do immeasurably more than you ask or imagine according to his power, his dunamis that's at work in us. Are you getting excited? Okay, good. So, so the dunamis power is at work within us, is able to do more than we can ask or imagine. Somebody came here feeling weak today. You need to understand there's dunamis for you today. Plug into that before you leave today. Don't leave empty. Amen? Second Timothy, he uses it. He says, 2 Timothy 1.7, he says, For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of dunamis. And love and self-control. See, when, when Jesus operated under the authority of this power, people were able to see it everywhere he went. People were able, when he taught, people said, oh my God, who is this that teaches with this power? When he did things, people said, oh my God, how, how does this man, isn't he from Galilee? Isn't he this? Isn't he just a carpenter's son? How does this man able to, how, what, what is this dunamis? That's about him. People could see. Can, can people see the dunamis in you? Has anybody ever told you, hey, man, your dunamis is showing? <laughs> I see the power of God in you. If nobody's seeing that, then we're doing a good job at hiding it. Because it should be evident. The power of God is in you, sister. I can't, I can't believe what you just did. I can't believe the favor that you have. I can't believe how you got that job and you never went to college. I can't believe how you got that right. I can't believe how the power of God, the favor of God is upon you, obviously. I see your dunamis all over this place. Woo! It's being delivered right now. Luke, Luke, Luke 5. 
One day as he was teaching, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem, and they were sitting there. And the power of the Lord was present for him there to heal the sick. So there was power. People started gathering from everywhere because they sensed there was a power there to heal the sick. And that's when, you, you, you know the story, or those of you that are new to the Bible, this is a crazy story. There were some friends, and they had one of their friends that he was lame. His legs was messed up since birth. And so they said, we're going to take Julio. We're going to pick up Julio, and we're going to take Papacito. We're going to bring him right before Jesus, and, and he's going to get healed today. And they're like, you down, you down, yeah, yeah, and they high five. And then they put him on a mat, and they brought him. But then when they got to, to, to the place, it was packed because every, you know, people, when somebody, something's free, you know, people are from everywhere, right? <laughs> like free cheese, people was coming from everywhere. So they couldn't get to Jesus, so, so these guys were from the hood, so they got ghetto. They went up to the roof. They went up to the roof, and they cut a hole. That's, no, don't get more ghetto than that. They cut a hole in the roof, and they lowered Julio down. And they said, Toma, you, you ain't keeping us out. And so it, it was amazing. It said the power of God was there. And so after Jesus forgives them his sins, he said, your sins are forgiven. And then he tells them, now take up your mat. In the power of God, he tells them, now take up your mat and walk. Julio just got up, stretched. Whew. Woo, he did a couple squats. He rolled up his mat, and I would have left it there. I don't need that mat no more. I'm walking. Amen? Dunamis is the miracle power of God. Here's another time. Listen, listen. In Matthew 22, Jesus replied. He's talking to the Sadducees. He says, you guys are in error. You don't know. You, you're in error. You, you messed up because you don't know the scriptures and you don't understand the power of God. So he's telling the Sadducees, the religious people of that time, these are religious people. They know the word. He's saying you don't know the word and you don't understand the power of God. You're not connected. Paul, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4.20, he says the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk. It's a matter of power. It's a matter of dunamis. It's not about empty words. It's about the power of God. Family, when we fall away and we get trapped and we get beat up by sin and by this, by this world and by our flesh and by the enemy, it's usually because we're not connected to the word. You understand that the little bit of word that you get here on a Sunday is not enough. Even if I preach three hours. It's not enough. You need to get into, you need to be connected. So he, 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 Jesus says, you people are in error because you don't know the word and, you're, and you're, you don't understand the power of God. I don't want anybody leaving here today without understanding, respecting the power of God. Amen? And the beautiful part of it is that you and I and every person in this room and every person listening online, you have access to the same transforming power that made Julio walk. Come on. Let's, let's get to the word. So, so Jesus gave it to the apostles first. He says in Luke 9, he says, When Jesus called the twelve together, he gave them dunamis and authority to drive out demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And then he gives it to the rest of us. The word, the next word that says all the, these believers were gathered, so it's not just the apostles anymore. All these believers were gathered in Luke 10, 19, and he says, I've given you authority. 
dunamis to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, when I'm weak, I'm strong. <laughs> because his power is made perfect in our weakness. In our society, in our culture, we have a problem admitting that we're weak. And because of that, we put up fronts. And what is that? That's a mask that we wear in church. How you doing? I'm blessed, brother. Too blessed to be stressed. But you're lying. You got no nails. <laughs> you're, you're pulling out your hair. You're pulling out your beard like me. I get stressed out. I start pulling. We're lying. Because we, we're trying to match the things that we see in the world. and we're trying, But the word says when we're weak, his strength is made perfect. Wow. We try so hard sometimes to make things happen in our own strength instead of uh, just connecting and committing to the power of God. And the truth is some of us are so tired. Some of us are so exhausted because we've been doing this thing on our own for a long time. And the truth is we were never called to walk this Christian life alone. I want to choke people when they say, I just stay home. I listen to Joel Osteen. I listen to this one. I listen to that. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. We are meant to do this Christian life in community. The word was meant to be read in community. That's why when, you, when you're privately reading it by yourself and you never have an interaction and you never let God use people and use the, when you, then you, that's how cults are born. You start reading a verse and you interpret it your way and the snake comes and the serpent speaks and you're by yourself. You got nobody to correct it with and the only thing you're listening to is positive junk on TV. Oh, God wants you happy. God wants you blessed. Amen. Let's pray. Forget about your sin. Forget about your life. Forget about living holy. Forget about living perfect like God says we should. Forget about striving to do things the way God wants us to do things. Just be blessed and be, and God wants you rich too, so be prosperous. And throw two verses at that. And if you're reading scripture privately, all that works. It makes sense. Yeah, you're right. And then it says, oh, and by the way, you should kill the infidels. You should kill people that don't believe like you believe. Yeah, you know right. You know what? I hate that neighbor. I'm going to kill that dude next time I see him. <laughs> you're right. And so you read three or four more scriptures because you can find scriptures to, to, to you can find the scripture to validate anything you want to do. Ay, ay, ay. In the Bible? Yes. In the Bible. You can find the scripture when you cherry pick. You can find the scripture to validate anything you want to do. I want to kill all the guys in the church. Yeah, I found the scripture that says I could do that in Leviticus. They, they looked at me dirty. I killed them. I took the giant, I killed this guy because he was tall, because uh, David killed Goliath because he was a giant. And I took off his head. You could do the sickest things. It, the word was meant to be read in community. We're called to stand together. We're called to build each other up. We're called to encourage. That, that's why we don't have to do things on our own strength. God's saying to some of you today, rest. Rest. The power of God is in our reach, and it's there for us to take hold of, but we actually have to take hold of it. Watch, watch this, watch this. This is a good story. 
Mark chapter 5, starting in, in uh, Mark 5 and 30. We read about the woman with the issue of blood. I don't want my church folk know that story, but for, for the benefit of, of, of those that are new to this thing, man, I want you to hear this story. This is a great story. There was a woman who had a sickness. This is a little awkward for me to share, but she had, you know, the menstrual thing. But it would not stop. She had an issue of blood. You understand now what I'm saying? I don't have to be more graphic. She had it for 12 years. How many women just hurting for her right now? Hurting. Come on. Anybody identify with her right now? 12 years. How many feel bad for her husband right now? Whoa. I don't know if it says anything about PMS, but she had an issue of blood for 12 years. She had gone to the doctors. She had gone, spent all her money on cures. She ordered every as seen on TV product. None of it worked. She, she went to her Dominican friends and they sent medicine from Santo Domingo. You guys know. You guys know. They sent medicine from Mexico. They sent medicine from Cuba. She, she, bought, she ordered that stuff from everywhere. She could not be healed. They said she has spent all her money. I'm, I'm, that's what the word says. So understand this woman was damaged. And in this culture, it's even worse because in this culture, in this context, whenever a woman had her you know, cycle, she was considered unclean. She was ceremonially unclean. So that means she couldn't worship. She couldn't go to the part of the temple where women are allowed to go. She couldn't, she couldn't be around people. She couldn't do this. <coughs> she was unclean. So that means she was separated from everyone. And, 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 and the culture said that whoever she touched became unclean. Can you imagine for 12 years I can't even have touch? I, oh, shoot me. I couldn't live with like that. I need touch. I'm a hugger. I, amen. Amen. Shoot me. I, I, I mean, 12 years she couldn't have. Because whoever, listen, when you're unclean, whoever you touch, the law says they will become unclean. So this woman was damaged. She's lived with this. And, and she couldn't do, she couldn't go to these places. And now she heard that this Jesus was in her town. And she heard that Jesus had healed people of crazy things. And she heard that, that, that he was making lame people walk. And he was opening eyes. And, and she said, if I could get to that Jesus, I can be healed. She said, if the Dominican stuff didn't work, this stuff didn't work, the, 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 she probably did brew head in, she probably did all that stuff, right? None of that worked. If I can get to Jesus, she said, I could be healed. But what's the problem? I'm unclean. I can't go into those crowds. I can't just go and wait and ask Jesus to heal me because if he asked me what I have, that would be embarrassing. And I would be ostracized more. And I'd be sent away and they wouldn't even let Jesus touch me because he can't touch me because he'd be unclean. And so she decides, I'm just going to press into the crowd. I'm going to wear a hoodie and I'm just going to press in through the crowd. And she says, you know what, if I could just get to him, if I could just touch him, if I could just touch him one time, he don't have to pray, I don't have to talk. If I could just touch him, I know that I'll be healed. See, now, remember, according to the law, if she touched Jesus, he would be unclean. But the word says that she pressed in. 
she pressed in and and somehow through you know through some group through some she was able to grab the, she couldn't touch him, but she was able to grab the hem, uh, the, 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 the ceremonial you know, robe that they wore had these tassels, the, according you know, to, to the law. And so she probably just grabbed the tassel, just a little tassel that was hanging like my shoelace. She probably grabbed this, his, just a shoelace. And she, as soon as she touched it, she knew the fountain stopped. She knew she was healed. She knew the power of God had changed her. From touching a, a hem, she knew. And so, and so she was going to break out. <laughs> she was like. <laughs> and Jesus said, oh, hold up, hold up. Who touched me? <laughs> Who touched me? See, you can't touch a transformer and expect to stay the same. <laughs> Amen, Conrad. <laughs> you touch a transformer, your arms are gone, right? <laughs> that joint is just frying you up. You change. You're going to walk different. You're going you're to be different. Now, she wasn't going to say nothing. She just got what she came for. But the word says Jesus perceived in himself that power had been released. He perceived that dunamis had gone out from him. And so he turned in the crowd and he said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said, are you tripping, bro? Are you serious? Who touched you? We're in a crowd. This is Fordham Road on a sale day. There's people everywhere, everywhere. Everybody's touching you, man. What do you mean who touched you? But you see, the disciples didn't understand the difference between casual contact and committed connection. There's a difference between those that just come to church from time to time and those that are committed. <laughs> oh, come on. Now, now it gets quiet, right? There's a difference between those that step into church and those that step out in faith. There's a, see, people were bumping into Jesus all day. It was crowded. You can step into church and bump into Jesus every week. I'm pretty confident that if you came, you can step into this church every week and find them in the worship. You can find them in the word. You can find them in the love that you're greeted with. You can find them. You can bump into Jesus all day here on Sunday and not be changed. Uh-oh. Unless you step out in faith, unless you commit yourself to risk everything to touch the Savior, you'll never know the power of God. And you'll walk in here and walk out and, and be the same and wonder, why are those people tripping? Why are those people talking about that church like God is doing? I went there, nothing happened. Uh-oh. Why there's always like five people crying up in the front? What's so, why are they crying? A bunch of yodikeo. What is all that about? I go there, I don't cry. Maybe you go here and you don't connect. Maybe you never plugged into the power of God. Judas was a perfect example of that. You know, Judas, the apostle that betrayed Jesus. Judas walked with Jesus and wasn't changed. He's a perfect example. You can walk, listen, walking behind Jesus doesn't make you a follower. I, I, 
Coming to church on Sunday doesn't make you a Christian. I love what Jesus does in the story. He looks around and he says, who, who touched me that way? Who reached out to me that way? He, he knows who, you know Jesus knows, right? Whenever 